You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. The conversations that we've been having around race and racism in America have touched all corners of popular culture and society. This includes one of the country's most popular sports, one that we just about never talk about on this show, NASCAR racing. Last year, NASCAR's only black full-time driver, Bubba Wallace, successfully called for the company to ban displays of the Confederate flag at its three racing series. But the backlash against NASCAR and Wallace was an important reminder that discrimination and racism are still very much enmeshed in the culture surrounding motorsports. Now, I want to let you in on something that I don't think I've ever really talked about on this show. I am a huge racing fan and a big fan of NASCAR specifically. I have gone to many races and I am an avid sim racer uh, in my home. Uh, I've got a pretty elaborate setup to race against people all over the world online on different tracks and in different cars and different series. My next guest is another African-American man who loves motorsports the way I do, way more, in fact, than I do. And he's someone who has made it his mission to make NASCAR more appealing and welcoming for African-Americans. Lenny Miller is the former co-owner of Miller Racing Group, who, with his father, worked for years to create opportunities for black drivers and crew members. His book, Racing While Black, How an African-American Stock Car Team made its mark on NASCAR, is now available in paperback. Lenny Miller, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, uh, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. So professional racing in America is so intertwined with the culture surrounding white Southern heritage. Uh, Is there real space today for black people in the sport in significant numbers? Not in significant numbers. There's always going to be a, a few uh, drivers or, or efforts, um, but not not in any uh, big numbers. I mean, the, the main obstacle is the sponsorship and getting all the resources or massing all the resources to compete. Um, that was the major problem and, and challenge for my father and I uh, when we interface with corporate America. At the Fortune 500 decision-making level, uh, was was getting the sponsorship, um, and that's that's the main that's the main problem or the primary problem. Hmm. So, when did you decide that uh, making opportunities for people of color in the sport would be the thing you'd focus on with your with your dad? Well, what we did. Well, I'm second generation, so uh, a lot of black. Uh, Racing history accomplishments are either swept under the rug, they're forgotten, or no one's even aware of them. So my father, he, he entered a car in the 1972 Indianapolis 500. Uh, and prior to that, he was a drag racer in the 1960s. Um, raced, he owned a team, Formula A, Formula 5000, raced against Mario Andretti, Al Unser. Uh, Jody Schechter in the mid-1970s. And no one knows about that or is aware of it. 
Um, when we went to corporate America, we would, uh, of course, have our background and our proposals and everyone's in shock. We just <laughs> come out of the blue. <laughs> no one's ever heard of the, the, the history and, and our accomplishments. But I got involved because I grew up with the sport and, and liked everything about the sport. You know, the competitiveness, the noise, uh, the technical aspects, uh, the gladiator environment. Um, so I, I grew up with it, but we got involved with NASCAR by default. Um, we were interested in Indy cars, sports cars. And when we would approach corporate America in the late 1980s, early 90s, NASCAR was really taking off and they didn't even want to entertain any type of auto racing proposal outside of NASCAR. Hmm. And then we we kind of shifted our gears, so to speak. And, and went in that direction, um, but we weren't really gun-ho about it at the time. Mm. So you did end up getting a sponsorship from uh, General Motors. Talk about how GM treated you and your team, and do you think they were serious about helping you not just be in the races, but be competitive to have a team that had a shot at winning? Initially, no, we were, uh, we were, we had sponsorship with AC Delco and GM Goodwrench in the mid 1990s. And it was kind of a, it was just a handout of here's a little bit of money. It was about 10% or less of what we needed to compete at the NASCAR late model uh, level, uh, which is Saturday night racing uh, in North Carolina. We were racing in North Carolina. And we needed even at that time $250,000 a year to compete from March to October at the grassroots level. Hmm. And we were getting about $25,000. And my father and I were, like, like most teams, we put a lot of our personal money into the effort to make it go. But we had all this GM signage on the car, AC Delco, GM Goodwrench, which was at the time sponsoring Dale Earnhardt Sr., And everyone was like, wow, you know, this is big. Um, But we were putting more of our own money into the car than GM at that time. And then showing up African-American out of the blue in North Carolina at a Saturday night track with all that GM signage on there. We had backlash uh, in envious competitors Mm. of, you know, how are these African-Americans to show up? They have more sponsorship than us, and they're only getting it because they're African-American. But they didn't know the, the, the background of our sponsorship and how much sponsorship we're even actually getting. So it's like a double-edged sword. Hmm. So, so the sponsorship question in racing, of course, is everything. The, you, you can't run a team successfully without uh, a- adequate sponsors. And it would seem like GM would be a, a great sponsor to have for, for any team. But, but I want to talk about how difficult uh, it was for you guys to, to make that work, that, that you did have this GM sponsorship. You, you talked about some of the backlash. But over time, it didn't pay off the way that that it might have, and and it didn't there therefore kind of you know kick in, kick open the doors that uh, that you might have expected. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's just the the when you go into corporate America and in society at, at large in the, in the United States and you show up as an African American in any type of business, 
there's a lot of skepticism that you can deliver the goods, so to speak. Um, okay, so racing is very technical. It's very expensive. They're not really comfortable that you can manage the team, any aspect of the team. They don't. They're not comfortable that you can manage the money, um, the, the preparing the cars, all the technical aspects, and go out and compete. So they want to either do nothing, or or give you a handout. And then many times, and I describe all this in detail in the book, as you know. Mm-hmm. And then many and many times they'll say, oh, you guys are we're over in the marketing division of any company. And they'll say, well, you guys are African-American. You need to go and talk to diversity. And diversity doesn't have a budget for racing mm-hmm. or, or sponsorship. So when you go in with a proposal and the diversity, whether you need three hundred thousand dollars a year to race in the season or three million, they don't have a dollar to come up with a sponsorship program and a marketing program in diversity and the marketing people in the, in these corporations know that it's just a diversion to get you down the hole, get you out of the office. And and then you go around in circles and then nothing happens. So I want to talk about the current state of racing and diversity in racing. And and I want to stay with NASCAR for now Bubba Wallace is a name that more and more people, I think, are becoming familiar with. Uh, He is uh, an African-American driver in the NASCAR uh, uh, series. Um, He he attracted attention when he called on NASCAR to to ban displays of the Confederate flag at the various tracks last year. That caused quite a bit of a stir in in lots of different ways. Um, But... I wonder how much what he is encountering in racing generally and in NASCAR specifically reminds you of the things that happened when you and your dad were getting involved with, with NASCAR. In other words, how much has changed since the yeah, time? There, yeah, there's not, there's not, yeah, not any, <laughs> there hasn't been anything that's changed at all. And then the country's divided more than ever. Even when my father, you know, before my father and I, when we were racing in the 90s. So so Bubba Wallace takes a stance like you just outlined. And if you look, which I've seen through social media. So if you look through a lot of the different social media platforms when these Bubba Wallace articles pop up and they'll, 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 they'll be on blogs, they'll be on Auto Week magazine, mainstream racing magazine. And then when you look at the comments that people uh, leave on his articles, I mean, they're nasty, caustic comments and 90% or more are very negative. And these are from primarily hardcore NASCAR fans. They're so upset. He took a stance um, in summer 2020 during the Black Lives Matter movement and then the noose and the Confederate flag Mm. that he's paying the price for it now that he doesn't have a lot of allies from a fan standpoint on his side at all. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. And now that Michael Jordan has come in as an owner, he's even taking the backlash too. When you look at these social media comments and I've, I've looked at thousands of them over the last year and they're at 90% of them are, are negative. Some of them are threatening. 
so nothing, nothing has changed. And I wouldn't expect it to change if you NASCAR has always politicized their sport over the decades. Mm-hmm. So, so if you have Donald Trump fly in for the Daytona 500 in mm-hmm. 2020, mm-hmm. and let's say if you're a business person or a marketing person and 90 percent of African-Americans vote Democrat or they don't vote for Donald Trump, you would have a hard time as a sanctioning body attracting black fans to the sport, which NASCAR claims they want to do. But I'm not sure how serious they are. Mm. And then if you go back even further in 2011 at the Homestead race, uh, I think it was the last race of the season in in 2011. Yeah. Jill Biden and Michelle Obama showed up and the fans booed them. So if as an African-American that may be interested in attending a race or trying to check out, well, who's Bubba Wallace? Let's go to a race. When they add all these other, uh, you know, factors up that are very negative, it's very difficult for an African-American to go to a NASCAR race and then pay a a lot of money for the seats and concessions like any sporting event. Yeah. So so. I think what I'm hearing you say is that the sport will change and diversity will change in the sport when diversity changes among the fan base. In other words, uh, if you could somehow encourage and uh, get African-Americans to be involved with the sport on a fan side, that that would open up more opportunities on the team side and the driver side. Is that, is that, yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what I see. If you, if you look at ice hockey and I've been to a a handful of NHL, uh, you know, NHL ice hockey games in the last few years, it's 99% white audience. So Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. So if you don't have, and I think there are a handful of black NHL players, you don't hear much about them, but there are a handful. But when you go to the events and the ticket prices are, you know, hundred to $500 a seat. And then most of the players are white and they're Canadian. They're from Russia and different places around the world where, where ice hockey is popular. And where these, you're just not going to get the African-American fan at a, at a hockey game. And then when you go to urban areas, uh, ice hockey rink is, is foreign. They, they don't have ice hockey rinks at the schools and, and there's not any leagues that are, have access to the urban uh, society. Same thing with a racetrack. So if you go to a drag strip, you go to NASCAR event, they're way, way, typically away from the city center. And Charlotte is close to the city, and you're, I think Atlanta may be an hour away, but they're not. The, 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 the African American population doesn't have exposure or access to the sport. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you seem to think that um, Bubba Wallace is being exploited. It's something you said in June of last year. And I want to give you a chance to talk just a little about what you mean by that. He wants to, he, like any, uh, he's come this far all the way to the top level. So he wants to, he wants to race and, 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 and be a, a race car driver. And compete um, to win. He, I mean, he yeah, it's just like, just like all the other drivers. But since he's taken a stance as of last summer, he's, he's paying a penalty for that. And typically 
if you look at any history, if you stand up for civil rights or if you're outspoken, especially in a majority environment, you're going to take you're going to take that backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he was expecting the backlash to be this severe and last this long. Um, and now when you read um, articles, and we'll see what happens. I think he's under contract for at least another year. But I know he finishes kind of in the middle of the pack, give or take, and his seat may even be in jeopardy after 2022. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Do you think that Bubba Wallace? Do you think that Bubba Wallace and and I should preface this with the fact that there have been you know other b- black drivers that have uh, shown up uh, occasionally in NASCAR uh, and and have failed to really change the the overall environment to really make that breakthrough do you think he's the one who could finally do it if he that if he can uh, survive the backlash that that he's experienced if he can persevere and keep his ride as they as they say um, that that he will be the pivot point to open yeah, it's, this po- it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. Like we were talking about earlier with sponsorship. So if you don't have 100% sponsorship, you don't have all the resources to get to the front and win races. So again, that's similar to like I described my father and I with GM only getting a percentage of a small percentage of what we needed to compete at the level that we were at at the time. So Bubba Wallace, he has sponsors and he has Michael Jordan. He, you look at the car, is very good looking car, looks just as good or better than most cars on the on the grid. But we don't really know if he's getting 100% of the sponsorship. He may be only getting 50% or mm-hmm. 70%. And we don't know his driving ability. Is it impeded because he... He doesn't have enough resources or has his driving skills reached a plateau. We don't know. When I say we, you and I, fans, we don't know until the car is tested. Maybe they put Denny Hamlin in his car with his setup to see if he can do better with the car. So we don't know if he's getting all the resources or not. And But if he has the potential to make you know make make a change if he can get into the top 10 and run consistently and and, and lead more laps and, and win a couple races but we haven't seen that yet and then from what i read he, he's on he's he's in the hot seat after, after next year of going beyond 2022 as a driver mm-hmm. okay lenny miller it was really great to have you here uh, for this conversation to talk about racing and race in America. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, Stephen, for having me on. Mm-hmm. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Come back on Monday when we're going to have a really interesting conversation about six things we need to keep in mind as we head into another COVID winter. There are a lot of plans that we ought to be making. There are a lot of things that we ought to be doing or not doing still because of the pandemic. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.